0: Welcome to the Nostalgic Album Podcast, where a metalhead and a folk singer talk about albums of their of their youth, and the overlying question is: Does it live up to the magic that it used to have when we were young? My name is Justin Stovepipe Stover, and I am talking also with. I'm Alex DeYoung, and uh, Alex, uh, along with being a metalhead, is a guitar builder, which I'm sure will come up here and there. Uh, the first part of this is the most important part. What are you drinking? We're both from in Michigan, so we're trying to get the word out about some fine Michigan breweries, a.k.a. if you have a Michigan brewery, give us free beer. Uh, what are we drinking today for the first one? Today we
1: have one from my hometown here in Grand Rapids. We've got a Farmhand from Brewery Vivant. Oh, good, good, good. A farmhouse-style ale. It is lovely. That
0: is good. Not too, not too light, not too... Heavy, I like this one a lot. And this is for the one. This is the brewery that had was is in a funeral home, right? I I think so. I'm not.
1: I'm not 100 on what it used to be. It used to be something religious. I think it certainly looks and feels like a church. (laughs) Yes, it does. But hey, we're in Grand Rapids. They're all churches. Exactly. (laughs)
0: Uh so what we're going to do is uh we have we have each picked an album um and we're going to say which album we picked flip a coin and we are going to interview each other uh about both respective albums. Alex, which one did you pick? I chose the Verve Pipes Pop Smear.
1: And what do you have, Justin? Guns N' Roses use your Illusion 1.
0: Ooh, interesting choice. So, uh the uh heads how we're going to do this. Uh Heads is yours. Tails is mine. That works. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Heads were by Tails. Got some roses. <laughs> Let's do that again. I'm going to actually catch it. Heads! We have heads. Mm. What is your personal connection to this album? Well,.
1: Interestingly enough, it is the first album that I ever bought with my own money. Like, went to the store, went and got it, bought it out at the local... <laughs> The local artist section at Schuler Books and Music on 28th Street, ironically, literal feet from where the album was presumably written in the back room at MC Sports. Really? Yeah. Their uh, lead singer used to work there, so he'd spend most of his breaks sitting on a shoebox working on At lyrics. the
0: store or the factory? At the store. Okay. <laughs> All right. Because I worked at Schuller Books and Music, and I worked at the factory of MC Sports. Mm. Uh, so... This was the first album you bought. It was.
1: I must have been, oh gosh, 12 or 13, maybe, probably younger than that. Rode my bike down there and decided to blow my money on it, and I worn the disc purely to death.
0: So you bought a compact disc?
1: I did. And I wish we still could. Yeah. I mean, you still can, let's be real, but... Not Pop Smear nope not that one not anymore
0: do you think they they're trying to go uh, make an allusion to pap smears in this I, or is that a happy accident
1: <laughs> i would like to believe that it's a choice right. but it may be it may have been an accident
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what when you first heard this album as a kid what struck you about it as much as you can remember and make sure to include any personal stories about this, because that's what nostalgia is, connecting that magic to our personal story. Well,
1: the, the joy of having the first CD I ever bought be a local band that, you know, had, well, let's, let's be honest, it was a minor hit. The Freshman was a minor hit, and they do all right on it still, but <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> some of you know The Freshman from several 90s movies. right? But the joy is they all still live in town. Right. And so you still, like, you run into these, you run into them, which makes them far less larger than life than they would seem Mm -hmm. if it had been, say, a national act from your hometown that's back now.
0: I think think you're not giving them enough credit because in in my rinky-dink town of Howland, Maine, The Freshman was a huge hit. We all loved that song, and I didn't even know really what Grand Rapids was until um, the DJ of uh, Fox 104.7 said, a band coming from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and he had no clue what that place was either. So, I only, re-
1: I only remember it being minor probably because GRD, was, 97.9 GRD, was playing an alternate take of the song instead mm-hmm. of the album take. And to this day, I have not found a copy of that alternate take yet. I found some others, but it doesn't. The the album version doesn't stack up to the one that I'm used to hearing, which is a weird sensation. Uh,
0: So did this album have any radio hits pop smear?
1: No, it had. I don't know if it even got any local airplay as far as I know. Hmm. So you were buying a local band, a, a local band you were proud of. I was buying a
0: local band I had no idea about because <laughs> I was a
1: small child. That's right. <laughs> I was just have, a little guy. Do you have
0: any idea of what made you buy this first one?
1: It's a very colorful cover. It's, it's an interesting abstract of what appears to be a lit match. Hmm.
0: And I'm thinking I've, of uh, how to how to have a head wound or whatever that album is. Oh, I've suffered a head injury. That has a That's skeleton a, on the front, right?
1: No, that has his that has the lead singer's brother who got, I think, in that photo. He was recently hit in the head with a rock. Oh my god! <laughs> Villains, I think, is the one you're thinking of. Villains that has had like that a headache, yeah. it's got like a bird skull on. the It's cover got a, it's got or a bird skull on the
0: front, right? So, did this live up to the magic of your youth? I'm gonna say yes because they. It's it's a biased
1: listen. I'll be honest; it was a biased pick (laughs) because it's one I still listen to today, and they still play a significant number of those songs on at least on occasion. Mm -hmm. I feel a little bit like there was some giving it giving it a little more objective of a listen. It was kind of there were some gimmicky things they did because right. they were cool like there's a song where i think the bulk of the chorus is sung through a megaphone oh you know, really alice in Chains style that's uh bullies on vacation yeah i remember and, <laughs> bullies
0: on vacation yeah. yes
1: and i think they did it just because everyone else was that and probably. it sounds like that's why yeah i'm sure that's why it is
0: the rest of
1: the rest of the record is still it's still fantastic
0: what is your opinion of villains? Their breakthrough?
1: It's hit and miss. Honestly, right. that one's hit and miss for me. they the best album they did was their made. I feel like they did was their major label crash underneath. Mm-hmm. It's the one that got them released from RCA right. and you know plunged them back into the van out of the tour bus, right? Yeah, instead of catapulting them into the same kind of stratosphere yeah. as like matchbox 20 who right. does very similar mm-hmm. feeling thing right
0: yeah i can see that i feel like uh verve pipe has more songs in minor keys but yes i completely agree yes. it was a mashbox 20 thing so is there anything in your own uh development or any very specific memories related to this album that come to mind when you hear this like when you put this song on here on where are you in regards to your your childhood oh
1: my probably walking home from school or delivering newspapers mm. a lot of walkman time on that one right. yes a lot of walkman time <laughs> Everybody remembers the
0: Walkman, right? Please say yes. Please don't make me feel old. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I would if I. There's been many times I've been on Amazon, like I'm going to buy a Walkman. You know what? I should buy one because there's a lot of cassettes I do like. But I'm usually looking up Amazon while I'm paying my bills, and I'm like, no, nah, I shouldn't buy this. I'm an adult. Don't but,
1: don't don't Amazon and pay bills. It's, it's like inter, don't, don't. it's internet drinking and driving. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, the not quite as bad as getting hammered or stoned and going on Etsy, you know. Uh-oh. But <laughs> Don't do that either. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like you'd like buy all of uh, the drummer from the Verve Pipes underpants or something on Etsy. That's that's the kind of stuff you could get on there while listening to this album. you could
1: you could probably get lessons from him on Etsy at this. Yeah, point. that's
0: true. Yeah, I'm sure. Hey, have you met any of the Verve Pipe folk?
1: I have not really. I've been you know behind them in line at the grocery store. Really, it's. It's kind of a weird sensation because you still, since I haven't actually like right. interacted with any of them, you still get a little bit of that like seeing a movie star on the street shit, and it's
0: like yeah. that's really cool. <laughs> Which one were you behind? I was br-
1: behind Brian Vander the lead right. singer, who yeah, is got- ungodly tall,
0: very tall and very thin,
1: ungodly tall. I yeah. think he's. Like, like six nine he's it feels like seven foot. Yep. i i watched them sound check at a show and they had to like bring his mic down so the guy could check it and then he had to bring it back up because they didn't reset it right <laughs> the guys walking around underneath it. he's got it up so high it's just like
0: how tall yeah, are you he's tall he's a veteran too he is. Yeah, yep. It's, Navy, uh, if I remember I right. I think so, yeah. And uh, yeah, he's an interesting guy. He's a very
1: interesting guy with a very interesting viewpoint on his own failure. What is that viewpoint as best as you can? <laughs> it happened, and a lot of it was my fault. <laughs> that is very rare that a musician <laughs> he's, would He's done that. a couple. Do you remember the Failure Lab? Yes, yes. I he, didn't see him on it but he, I do know those. He that his is very interesting cuz basically what he said about um underneath and the self-titled album before that which was right. the like the self-titled album was like the torpedo on the sinking ship mm-hmm. because they had a giant advance and studio time and a hit, and they thought, we can take as long as we want. We can do whatever we want. And so they made what he, I think he said it's their worst album, in his opinion, which Mm. is interesting, and I would like to revisit that one later in the series, because... I like that one a lot, too. I stole a lot of chord progressions (laughs) from it. Which is a sign that you really really like it.
0: (laughs) I stole lots of licks from that album, and I'm not sorry. (laughs) 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 Well, my friend Mike and I, he was the first one I did music with, and we loved the Freshman. We wore out the single, and we both wrote tunes for our many bands. Uh, and uh, each band was kind of like Andy from Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. The name always changed, and we were only together for like you know, ten minutes at a time. But we wrote a lot of songs that were basically the freshmen. <laughs> you know, lots of hey yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> that's
1: that's also very crash test dummies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Yeah. <laughs> throw, in no. Some, uh, throw in some some humming choruses, yeah. <laughs> and we're cool. And be Canadian.
0: Yeah, mm. the uh, my uh, one story Brian Vander Ark. Uh, is when I worked at Schilder Books and Music. Apropos of what you said earlier, he, he did a children's concert, and I had to—I ran hospitality for. I didn't run it, but I helped with hospitality. Um, and I saw him, and he was very tall. And uh, as I said, like I always thought they were super famous because they made it to Maine, you know their song. And I said, "Hey, man, I just want you to know that the freshman was the first song I ever made out with a girl to, which is true." <laughs> And he was super funny and nice. He goes sweet. He goes, did you get to second base? I'm like, no, I didn't. He goes, next time. Oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you didn't. At least you didn't tell him it was bittersweet symphony, which he's been hearing <laughs> for twenty plus oh, years people now. People think that's him. They think that that's the how verb the fuck pipe. Did they think? I don't know how you screw this up, but <laughs> the verb
0: and the verb pipe. But that doesn't know that does, that's an excuse. He'll take because, the
1: royalty checks, though, if you want to give it yeah. to him, because that song is still getting played everywhere. Right. <laughs>
0: well, but he did. I remember he had this, you know, all of us musicians bitch about Spotify micro royalties. And he wrote uh, a post. He goes, I can't believe how little I get. And he posted it. And it was a lot of mo- it was like forty thousand dollars here. year. So I, I don't know exactly the amount, but everybody was like, you're compl- we're complaining about our three cent check that we get. You're doing just fine. Yeah, you know.
1: we're we're complaining about our one ten thousandth of a penny per spin. <laughs> Shut up. Exactly. <laughs> no one cares, you English weirdo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, so those are really my my questions. Is there anything uh, you want to add to
1: that? I just, it's one of those oddly satisfying albums because it's not there's no major label production but the production is actually right really really good i think that was if i remember from the liner notes that was done from the now defunct uh studio c out in rockford gotcha some local suburb here local history fun and uh the production value is really great there's you know terrific instrumentation mm-hmm. they did they did throw a throwaway track on there which is a it's a cute little interlude but it's a throwaway what's the name it's, of it uh, sleepy town i it's, don't remember it so that's probably a sign that cause <laughs> well, i listened to it several times it's about 35 seconds long it's it's akin to like one verse of silent night and then it goes into bullies on vacation right. which is a really jarring transition. Yeah.
0: But... And as soon as I saw it, I thought of Bulls on Parade. Even when you said that right now, I was like, they don't sing that song. Which
1: they... is a... If you like if you pay attention to the lyrics, yeah. that one's really, really dark. Yeah, it is. He goes on a cruise just to punch a guy who I was know. picking on him. Yeah. And then he finds out he's got cancer and he punches him anyway. <laughs> and then you've got... I didn't, I didn't notice that. I just, you've got I like... You've got a song like Spoonful of Sugar, which right. is like, that's got great lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like, if you listen to that, he, there's that really dark take on right. the lady who swallows the fly yeah. in the fairy tale. Like, I guess she's going to die. That's yeah. And they leave it at that. <laughs> and it's just yeah, not a
0: not a pop friendly. Uh,
1: it's topic interestingly dark. And the way he takes and like he'll twist a sentence is really cool. Right.
0: It did. Uh, I I know my turn. Uh, I was going to save this for my turn uh, for when you interview me about this album, um, which is what, for listeners, where Alex has gone over his, when the time is right, the person who wasn't connected to it from their youth, uh, or who didn't pick it, is also asked uh, some questions as a follow-up, but I I noticed the one line that I just laughed at, because it's such a 90s line and it is uh, uh my country tiss of Thee, sweet land of irony <laughs> like that was I, that could not exist without the 90s i find
1: that one interestingly appropriate for the current situation but i've i've interpreted and heard that like as right. i listen to the song i've heard that line a couple of different ways right cuz when the one time they i've heard them do that song live mm-hmm. he sang it Sweetland of I run me, which was an interesting oh, take on yeah. which was like an interesting take on the traditional like you know i I do what I want, right, like you frank Sinatra mm-hmm. my way style. I did it my way thing, yeah, but
0: that's pretty cool <laughs>
1: the irony line is better it's yeah. more
0: interesting it just it just sounds like something mm-hmm. uh, they did that so yes uh, i I guess for the the follow up just ask me. Oh, I'll just spend. Well, I'll just spend very short yeah. time, and then we'll let's move to that. Yeah, but let's hear your take. Do you have any specific questions? Let's let's start with how was that first listen? What it, did that come off like? I w- I was pleasantly surprised because it sounded completely different than Villains. His voice sounds different. The guitar works different. The production's different. And my only frame of reference is Villains and Beyond. So at first I was like, "This isn't the verve pipe." <laughs>
1: um, I'm guessing it, that was recorded when they were in their early, like their late teens and early twenties. Oh, is really? Probably when that was God. recorded. And now he's and, a tall fifty-year-old. That makes yeah. you feel. <laughs> I would say <laughs> With fantastic hair. Yeah, <laughs> and great
0: hair. Yep, yep. Lovely wife. She's a great uh, singer-songwriter. Their Christmas albums
1: great. Oh yeah. Their yep. little EP. Yep. And they're great
0: people. Yep. I mean. They, I, that's been my experience with them I, i've heard very little bad about them um so i the reason i liked uh a, 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 if i was to review it i'd probably give it about a b a b plus uh based purely on my liking of it and mm-hmm. no objective standards uh, but the thing i like best about it is that it sounded to me like uh rem right before out of time came out oh, like you yeah. know green can, and and I all those see that. yeah and and i love it. it had like the really jangly chords which i really like uh, any anything that has jangly chords, I'm gonna like it. I thought the um, I thought the lyrics I could not separate it from '90s problems, <laughs> like we talk about third world problems. Their album was '90s problems. Their the lyrics
1: are definitely they don't cross apply much no <laughs> they don't if i if i have to start picking holes in an album yeah. i love i can start there it's, right you know it does date itself pretty right pretty strongly
0: but i think every single album we're doing is going to be dating itself strongly looking
1: and... at looking at the two the two we've picked for today yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> but no i i i was pleasantly surprised uh, when you said you picked that one, I was I was excited because I I think you mentioned to me once before that was your first album and, and you mentioned going to Schuler. so I was excited to hear your personal take on it. But like like I said, for me they're a they're a band who has several songs I like and I've had good experiences with him. Uh, but I was I it was, I very much enjoyed it. I would listen to it again. Um, I would I buy the vinyl. I don't think I'd buy it, but if someone gave it to me for a present, I'd be. It would make my day. So.
1: I'd I'd buy it again today, probably for a similar reason that I bought it last time because right. if I remember right, I paid less than ten dollars <laughs> for it. So it was, you know God, that sounds, even even as a small child taking his allowance money, it was like right. Yeah. It's ten bucks. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. So um but yeah, I I uh so for you it's lived up to the magic and then some from the sound of it. Yeah, I've you know
1: it's a soft spot album for me. It was it was I kind of I kicked an I kicked an easy field goal with that one. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It makes me want to I uh, I think I'll listen to the, some of their later stuff because having that appreciation from this album but preferring Villains and Up because I, I at the t- I love Villains uh still I think it's a great album. I like when they do songs that are really non-traditional like uh that See How They Twist and Shut one. What's the name of that one that was... That was on the radio in Maine, too. I think it's called Villains.
1: Yes, that was... I believe that's the one, yeah.
0: Like, I, I like that that was on the radio, and it really doesn't have a chorus.
1: No, it really, you know? it really doesn't. I mean... Yeah. And they do that... They don't have choruses. We've hit something. They do that an interesting amount. He... I feel like that's like a Brian Vander Ark thing right. where he writes like a pre-chorus and then yes. doesn't follow it up right, and just goes back to the next verse. And then that's the chorus and you kind of go. Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're all, I think they're all solid musicians. Uh, his, his voice I think is what he's best at. But like, I know I met their drummer one of their drummers and he was fucking unbelievable. Great guitarist, you know, even at that kid show that I went to. So
1: yeah, they've had a they've had a few guitar players in their time and all I, of them have been pretty good. Yeah. I mean, but like you listen to some of the odd, like the odd cording that they use. You ha- right. you can't really you can't slack on that because the no. voicing is what makes the song. Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I agree. So uh, so the album I picked was. From one of my favorite singer-songwriters of all time. I'm sure you like Axl as well. Uh, <laughs> I love Axl. Good. So I've I picked been... Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 1, and uh, I, I cut you off, I think. What were are going to say?
1: I've been compared to him a time or two when I don the red bandana. <laughs> unfortunately, it's been fat Axl Rose. Yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I, can, I can live with Axl Rose. Yeah. I mean, the hit history writes itself. Oh, unfortunately. Kidding. Fortunately for everyone else, I didn't carry the attitude.
0: No, (laughs) although he has, he seems to have made attempts to improve as a person over the years. Like, as I take him to have been a legitimate asshole to pretty much everyone, and he had some terrible. He would not have uh, lasted. The the Me Too movement should have come just to stop him from singing certain lyrics, (laughs) (laughs) or
1: or from uh, having sex. On tape with his drummer's girlfriend. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. But we'll we'll bring that back up when we revisit we'll bring appetite that. for destruction. Right. Probably. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so here, the the you are now the interviewer. You were the yes, interviewer? I am.
1: It was an interesting choice. I'll say it was an interesting first choice to get from you, mm-hmm. given what I know you from, and your uh, strong horror folk. Background as a songwriter,
0: right? So, what made you pick that one? Because he's one of my. I think he's he makes music. He needs an editor, you know, uh, and that I will come back to. But this album needs an editor. But I'm glad he doesn't have one because I just think Axel writes music how I want music to sound. I would say they were the first band that scared me because... That's fair. Because when that came out, all of the... Except for Motley Crue, all of the glam rockers looked like women, which didn't scare me, okay? And uh, they, they had the funny makeup and poison, all that. And Guns N' Roses, when Appetite came out, it was like, this is the most badass thing I've seen in my life. And in our school... Um, if your parents let you have it, then they were the coolest parents in the school. Oh, yeah. And if your own parents didn't let you have it, and mine didn't at first, and then they stopped caring, you know, like 10 minutes later, um, I had to hide it under my bed because there was a naked lady in the front. Mm-hmm. I, it's, I mean, it's not a clean album. No. But, it, but that wasn't it. it. It was something about it was intimidating to me in a cool way. So I think that's the the connection to why... I do like a lot of things that have a scary side to it, like Misfits or, you know. Uh, but this was the first album where I saw it and I'm like, oh, my God, like took a few steps back. I'm like, that is a little bit freaky and really cool. Mine was Killers by Iron Maiden. But, oh, uh, nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's a
1: hatchet wielding zombie on the yeah. cover. I mean, <laughs> and, yeah. but, you know, it's fair to say, you you know, going back to your comparison yeah. of the other you know, glam metal acts yeah. in the 80s, yeah. they came in on motorcycles and yeah. with girls around their arms and guns and roses crawled in and hit you across the face I with know. a pool cue when oh. you weren't looking, when you weren't looking, I it know. kind of like slithers across the floor yeah. and then grabs you by the throat. And it's it does fascinating. Yeah.
0: And and it was badly needed at the time. Cause I love poison. I love the cock rockers, <laughs> but it was very short lived fun and guns and roses. It's was about a, pretty-
1: a two year thrill on party rock. Right. Yeah. Yep. You're absolutely but right. I don't it's, know how steel Panthers doing it these days right. since they kind of took it and like grabbed that poison flag and started right. screaming down the street with it tongue in cheek
0: yeah and but, I, mean, I mean poison doesn't even sound it just sounds like pop music to me and i i think they got great songs but like this album well use your uh art of, art, of, art of appetite for this that just shows how big that album is for both of us is that we've talked about that more than use your illusion already <laughs> but um that album uh Sounds like hard rock. It sounds like something you would go into the first time you entered a biker bar. Yes, you know, and what you saw, and maybe did a rail or something off urinal. You know, I mean, it's just <laughs> this. It's vividly accurate. <laughs> the, this album, uh, this is my my personal connection to it, and this is where the nostalgia comes into and why I picked it to answer your question is that my parents for they've they've always been super open-minded mind, open people. There was about two years um, where they were fundamentalist Baptists, and they totally were on the satanic panic, rock and roll music's <laughs> evil. But, I mean, my dad was in, like, a zillion bands growing up. My mom's always liked good music. It didn't last very long. But, but it was during the time when Appetite for Destruction came out, and they were like, no fucking way. Except, <laughs> they didn't say that, but they said, no way. And I think they even, like talk to friends about there's this new band called Guns N' Roses and it is the devil, but in a band, you know, but by the time they had calmed down and like two years after that, they didn't care what we listened to at all. I met, you know, and my parents stopped started picking up swearing again <laughs> <You> know, like <laughs> but like by the time use your illusion 1 came out they let me buy it mm-hmm. and i got it from one of those you know buy 12 albums for 3 cents and then I be in debt the rest those. of your life oh i loved them so much you like put your cat's name
1: on it i was a, I was a master at the cancel and wait till they send you a new one yes and then you can use your own name again and they don't care they yep. don't notice it was
0: not a sustainable business model but i got a lot of very good albums um, I got a lot of really bad ones too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> don't care, it cost me ten
1: cents. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um
0: I think my dad, I don't know what song it was, but my dad heard some song on Appetite for Destruction. Oh, he was yeah. a sweet child of mine, and he thought it was fucking unbelievable. And um and he liked them since then. And I think he's the one that said to mom I was like, Listen, they're they're actually good music, so I'd rather he listen to this than like the shit my friends were listening to. Um but uh the um, use your illusion was the first one that I could get, uh, and I loved it at the time. I listened to it constantly. November rain was the one that really pulled me in. Uh, it was the fun one to dance to girls with at the school dance because it was like forty minutes long, and um, still surprised it got on
1: the radio. I know, it's, I like, know. It's legitimately what eight, eight and a half, nine minutes yeah. long almost. Yeah, yeah. Like, although, again, you want to talk about guitar like yeah. anthemic right things that yeah. those guitar solos are they stand all alone in that yes song, they do and there is nothing like it nothing oh my god
0: um so do you have any questions specifically <laughs> about about this
1: I find it interesting because to me, that's the beginning of the end of Guns N' Roses. Not the period of discovery because it's that's when er, that yeah. those two albums were recorded. Yeah, that was the the Use Your Illusion tour was the last, the last one yeah. that they did as right. the original Guns N' Roses, right? And it was none more apparent during that entire yeah. cycle that Axel was completely off his rails, Just off his, and he's and, I th- and he's
0: uncompromising artist, which is what I love about him. But it doesn't make him easy to it, work with.
1: And it sometimes it doesn't work in his favor. No, it but <laughs> granted, Many times it doesn't. Granted, those are two times; those albums are two times that it
0: somehow it did. Like, yeah, it it did. It it could have been shortened well Mm. that was my it was
1: it's ridiculously long it is so long i I laughed when i put together my spotify for like great we picked you know first episode we picked we both picked albums that are touching towards an hour and yeah we gotta talk about it right yeah exactly
0: (laughs) i would say like i mean we one thing that we're going to be exploring a lot is has it aged well um and i would say it's still a great right. The, the first song, right next door to hell, sounds as good to me now as it did then. Almost better. Like it's just such a fucking like. Put you on a motorcycle. Like I said, do a rail of coke and ride into the sunset. And it's like a part. It's a half punk song, like that, songs like that. And then Dust and Bones, the one after it, is just. I mean, it, again, horribly misogynistic lyrics, but uh, terrible. But, but um, that's Guns and Roses. That's, that's Guns. That's and, nineteen. Well, that's like nineteen
1: eighty. Insert hear metal yeah and right it's just that's what it was yeah. and they flew that flag
0: right. higher prouder and louder than and louder. anyone else and they, it was i know just you like, know and and uh, and um uh here here's what uh, i'm glad it was two albums Personally, because I can't, I, I can't imagine it not being two albums. It should have been one album, though. There's so many songs. Back off, bitch! Does not need to exist. It has nothing to do with the, the lyrical content. It's not good. <laughs> I, it aged very poorly.
1: There was a there was a lot of age on that one. There was a lot of dust and a lot of rust. I, there is, I, I know, just... but I don't
0: know if I'd want it to change because it's Axel, and I just even when he makes terrible decisions, it's funny to me because mm-hmm. it's him.
1: It's uh, which is why we should probably, you know, later on down the series, we should yeah. do Chinese democracy, oh. too, if you want to talk about potential really terrible decisions. I know. So I actually reviewed that when yeah. it came out, and I don't remember having very many good things right. to say about it. You should try.
0: We'll definitely do that one. Try listening to it and pretend it's not a Guns N' Roses album. Pretend it's an Axl Rose solo album. I, that might help I, because the first lick you hear on that sounds like Buckethead, but you want it to sound like Slash, and it ruins the whole experience. But if you listen to it as an Axel album, um, I think it's. I think half of it's pretty good. The other half is so unnecessary, and it's like it was made on an island. Like he was not. He was so in his own head that he didn't know it was cool anymore. That's,
1: <laughs> that's a little how the User Illusion set feels to me sometimes. Yeah. Oh, God, because yes. even one, which is, in my opinion, the better of the two. Right. It for is for me it dragged a little in the middle. Oh, Jesus. And you get you get a couple of nice kicks
0: in the teeth at the end. Yeah. yeah. Don't damn me and There's that really good like uh it's almost like I mean no few songs are as good as Patience, but they have this one like acoustic ballad and a blues one that I I like almost and when well, I think as a kid I didn't pay much attention to those ones because I just wanted to rock, mm-hmm. or you know, but um, I'll look that up. Um, as I do this, one thing my my thing of Axel would be he's very good when he does when he hearkens to his heroes, which are Bernie Taupin, Elton John, and uh, and Freddie Mercury. When he does these huge, grandiose, highly detailed songs uh, that are incredibly symphonic, when he does that, or when he does like a patience type, stripped down acoustic. Or when he does just a flat-out rocker with no thrills and not much um, junk added to it. Like, Right Next Door to Hell is like... I mean, oh, it yeah. sounds like it's only four tracks. I'm sure it's like 3,000, but it only sounds like four. Whereas some of the other songs sound like eight zillion, and, and half of them, or more, don't need to be on there. <laughs> like, I know he's notoriously uh, uncompromising, and he his he feels like if he didn't get the music out of his head onto the tape, he's failed. Um, however, some of the decisions he makes are so, I don't get it. Um, for instance, you know, the song in the garden on Mm -hmm. user illusion one, that was the one I was going to bring
1: up as one of those middle draggers. Well, it's don't care for that one, no, like one bit.
0: But it's good. It's like a fine song until he does that fucking demon voice. That's what I don't like about Alex or Alex. <laughs> yo, I like you Aww. about about the thing I don't like about Axel. Even though I find it mildly entertaining, in that there's a lot of bad sci-fi movies I find entertaining. Is like I just picture him in a room where he's in. He's listening to that. He's recording a song. Uh, uh, in the garden, and he's focusing on that like th- one-minute part where he speaks in a, that voice, um, and he must have spent no less than six hours contemplating, should I keep it, should I not? And then finally he decides to keep it, and he's like, yes, I've decided that the best creative decision I can make is to sing in a stupid fucking alien voice, And and this is another thing he does that drives me crazy. He explains what the song was all about, way too often but it makes sense because he's a notorious control freak so he's not only controlling the creative process he's he's controlling your perception of it you know he does it november rain like november rain is a lovely song about need and longing. and then he goes don't you know that you need somebody let me tell you what the song's about if you didn't catch it i i i hate when he does that
1: that build at the end (laughs) is like yeah of november rain is like my favorite car accident though <laughs> you want to yeah. shut the song up because yeah. it's now like a minute and a half way, too, way long too long because he's been doing this yeah but it's building so fantastically oh, that you can't walk away from it. you can't it. walk away from you it. like you almost can't have the song without it anymore right no i'd be interested to hear if like a hear like a radio fade out where
0: that's not oh, on me there. too or him just not do that I like when he does and he does this other thing I can't remember the song but um, he does another thing when he goes, <laughs> I don't think that's Axel at his best. It's too, like, machismo. I like when he shows a little bit of heart and a little bit of vulnerability. And when he's doing that, I feel like he's just yelling at me. It makes me laugh every time. But, uh, oh, God, you know, it's just, I'd rather he just went "I I I" for 40 minutes than then go, <laughs> for I feel, a minute. <laughs> I feel like sometimes he
1: feels like he's playing a part and not right. Doing, creating a craft. It's like I have yeah. to be ludicrous. I'm me, you You're right? Yeah, and, I, you know, and
0: and I forget. I mean, how old do you think he was when he made these? Probably our age or younger.
1: Probably. <laughs> I mean, see, that's ni- See, user illusion one was 1990 yeah. ish. Yeah,
0: and they were both made at the same time. Releases two albums. Mm-hmm. User illusion two is not B sides, right? It is not. Yeah, okay. but uh. Do you, yeah, do you it's, like Live and Let
1: Die? I can. I had an interesting thought about that today while I was yeah. out working and listening to it. That version should have been the version, in my opinion, for the Bond film, but it's not right. yeah. because they could get Paul McCartney and Wings, right? Exactly, and because Bond is quintessentially. Quintessentially British, right? You take Paul McCartney, yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> also, Paul McCartney, yeah,
0: <laughs> <But>, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but even even I would I would say that Axel pr- has to be somewhat connected to Paul McCartney and the heavily symphonic. Sometimes they make creative decisions that you're not sure exactly what was going on there. Um, I, I feel. I hope Axel. I think he will. I think. I think Axel is a supreme. He's one of my favorite songwriters of all time. When he makes a song that's good, it sounds like I want music to hear, to sound like. Um, And he does that on half of this album, I would say.
1: yeah, Give or take, yeah.
0: Right. But I still, it's like such an artifact. Here's the song. The song, You Ain't the First. Do you recall that one? I do. I think that's a beautiful song. It's,
1: yeah, it's, you know, and it's, in its way, it's quintessentially Axel. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not my favorite off of the record. Yeah. But like we you know, like we talked about, there's so many other like Jesus. things that you just they are sixteen songs and the yeah, last one. Like, Ten <laughs> minutes long and fourteen I, seconds. I, oh, are,
0: coma. Yeah, you're in a fucking coma by the time you're done with uh,
1: <laughs> You I wake checked, up from a coma by the time this album's over. I checked so many times to see if that song was over yet, and it just wasn't. Yes. Which is fascinating. Which is fascinating because I love dream theater, which means I have a profound profound and perverse passion for songs that are
0: Obnoxiously long, but I would, yeah, I would, I would, I would put this album along in in a category of albums that are very long, grandiose. Where at the end of the day, you kind of need to listen to the whole thing to totally figure it all out. And I'm including albums like some of Rush's really long ones, or like Sophie on Stevens Illinois. Like that album definitely could have had a few things shaved off of it. Um, but like there's a grandiosity to use your illusion one, which I think s- makes it different than just, uh, uh, appetite for destruction. And I say that as a, as a positive, hmm. uh, albums that are really big, probably too long, but they're fun to listen to from beginning to end, even if it's just to make fun of the stupid parts.
1: <laughs> i I'd say that's accurate, yeah, and I think our tangent pretty much covered all my questions so. <laughs> so here so so
0: now I'm the interviewer, and you're their interviewee, so let me think of a good question I want it to, this to be a good one what do you think that the album has aged well?
1: yes and no, I mean the that's the joy of the like. The profound grandiosity of the production yeah. means that it kind of, in its own way, doesn't age. Yeah. yeah. But in it, but then at the same time, because if you look at the current landscape of like radio or what right. people are putting out now, that's gone.
0: Yeah. It is. And
1: it's yeah. been gone. Yeah. So. To have something that's that operatic and grandiose right. and verbose right. is just, it's a dinosaur, but it's a good dinosaur. It's a, good dinosaur. It's a nice dinosaur. Right.
0: It's like a, a nice dinosaur with a few bones. You're like, yeah, that's a little twist.
1: You just take that off if you put it into a museum. It's the, it's the one dinosaur Jurassic Park that doesn't eat Jeff Goldblum off the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's,
0: uh, what's your favorite song that isn't a hit or at least isn't as popular as November Rain? Which was... Wasn't that... No, that, Live and Let Die, Don't Cry, were the three radio hits. Actually,
1: Don't Cry Greats on me a little bit. Me too. I always skip it's over that one. Because he does the 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 place where he sings it from is very irritating sometimes, yes. But the lyrically, it's very good. <sighs> mm-hmm. I
0: mean,
1: but he's often
0: a good lyricist. Yeah, it's it just, isn't noticed as much as his other stuff. No,
1: that's because that's not what we ask him to do. No, but it's uh, like overall, I. I'd fall right in line with you with, like, Next Door to Hell and... Oh, God, it's so good. ...Dust and Bones, because that's the Guns and Roses that I love, because right. it's slimy and yeah. disgusting and right. probably has brass knuckles next to its <laughs> railroad coke, and it's going to hit you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: And the details are more subtle there, whereas when he does something that, to me, is very unnecessary, like the demon voice in... Uh, the demon voice explaining how to interpret the song in uh, The Garden, uh, followed by Garden of Eden. That's when you know an album has too many songs where there's called The Garden, and then The Garden of Eden's the next song. <laughs> like, you know I'm going to start pick listening one. for him
1: to analyze his own song now, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, God. And I will tell you what this is all about. <laughs>
0: and I have a feeling I, I want to go through his catalog, and I bet it's almost like a drinking game. Like, when does Alex explain how to interpret his songs? Almost never. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, did Appetite didn't have as much of him being doing stupid voices? Like, that's a pretty lean.
1: That's a I feel like that was four guys in a room. Right. Or five guys in yeah, five guys in a room, and they smashed that out live in two right. weeks, and Geffen pressed it, <laughs> yeah. and now it's sold. I don't know. Now it's many, one of the tens oh, I know. of millions it's, of copies. It, it, was a, it was a it was it was
0: a shifting album. I think G and uh Lies, the acoustic side is is as good as it gets, and I think I don't think you've had MTV unplugged without that album.
1: I'd be curious to visit the Spaghetti Incident because yeah. I kind of like that's one of the ones like right where it just you don't want to listen to it because you right. know it's not real Guns and Roses yeah but
0: come on who's left on that of the g- band by that album that album that I no one Axl. likes so Slash isn't on the Spaghetti incident?
1: I, I don't think so the Spaghetti Incident. Yeah. I believe there's a question mark at the end of the <laughs> title. It feels like there should be. But yeah. I remember seeing that one in like the five ninety nine tape bin at Meijer right. and going, I'm not even going to take a chance on no, this. No, no.
0: <laughs> but, but now they're all playing with, with the original members.
1: Mostly. Yeah. Uh, Izzy Stradlin's still not there. Not. And Steve Adler's not, Steven of Steven Adler is not. But other than that, everybody else is yeah. there. And that, you know... Three fifths of Guns and Roses is like, you know, forty five percent of Leonard Skinner. It's still good enough, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> All right, so hey, we got we got through uh, episode one. This was our first one so far, and I don't think there's too many kinks to iron out. Besides, we survived. How about you guys? <laughs> still awake? <laughs> All right. Well, again, this is the Nostalgic Album Podcast. I'm Justin Stover. I'm Alex DeYoung. Make sure, uh, and you know, when we have more social media presence, I think it would be fun to have people send in the albums that are truly nostalgic uh, to them. They don't even have to be... Ones you like, they just have to be ones that bring back very specific memories of a very specific time, that, and you still find them interesting now, or you've been meaning to listen to them again. He's
1: going to ask, I'm going to beg, please do that so I don't turn this into a self-appropriated <laughs> thing where I just pick things I like. <laughs> yes, that would
0: be very helpful. Alright, so next week we are going to be visiting albums that are definitely from our past. I'm gonna be picking MXPX Slowly Going the Way of the Buffalo, and you will be picking.
1: We're gonna go way back. We're gonna we're gonna dissect And Justice for All by Metallica. Right. Let's get awkward. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's what it's all about. Hey, this is Justin signing off. I do apologize for the poor mic quality, but my interface broke shortly after we recorded the first podcast. We do have a new one so that's good but I did want to direct you to our social media right now we are only on Facebook you can go to facebook.com backslash nostalgic album podcast again that's facebook.com backslash nostalgic album podcast go visit that like it share it with your friends and also share with us some of your favorite albums from your past that you would like to revisit or have revisited recently hey thanks again and uh, we'll talk to you next week when we visit the Metallica and MXPX albums.